I just met this girl named Buffy. I'm Pike. Pike isn't a name, it's a fish. I liked her, even though she seemed kind of flaky. But, as it turns out... You have been chosen, Buffy. To do what? To stop the vampires. Does Elvis talk to you? And things started getting weird around here. Are we having a nightmare? You threw a knife at my head. And you caught it. She was the one person I could really count on. Kill him a lot. Hi. Hi. What are you doing here? What am I doing here? I'm saving your butt. That is a bad guy. Can we go, please? The Slayer is unmasked. Let's finish it. I think this relationship has potential. Hi. How's it going? You're obviously having a bad hair day. If she can just get rid of those other guys in her life. Stab him in the heart! Christy Swanson. I am so sure. Donald Sutherland. Ah! Ah! Paul Rubens. Ah! With Rutger Hauer and Luke Perry. Buffy, you're not like other girls. Oh! Yes, I am. Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. You didn't even break a nail. Directed by Fran Rubel Kazooie. into the theater and the usher nods me in they know me here i descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about the door at the bottom opens and i walk in the sound of movie spoilers fill the air the barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back the rest of the crew are here already this is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And here we are once again, everyone. It's the spoiler room, the last episode of the month. That is our slaying, slaying it episode. And, and what perfect way to end slaying it month than with tonight's movie, which is about a Slayer in particular, very popular one. Uh, but before everybody knew the version that you saw on TV, there was a movie version. And yes, tonight we are talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer 1992. So thank you for venturing down the stairs, pulling up a chair, and sitting with us with your favorite drink. Although I don't, I don't have a pop top. I've got a screw top this time. It's, it's the Chi-Chi's a Mexican mudslide. Hall. Oh. These are actually pretty good. Uh, Chi-Chi's like the restaurant? Yeah, like the restaurant. They've got the their... celebration of food? Yes, the celebration of food. The ones that gave you wow. the unlimited bottomless nachos and salsa during the dinner. Yeah. I always wonder why my waitresses were naked. It... What? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what Chi-Chi's did you go to? With the bottomless one. The bottomless one. Yeah, yeah. the bottomless one. Yeah, I, I, I caught that, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, so tonight to talk about this film that Joss Whedon will not talk about uh, is a great collection of crew members joining me tonight. First off, she is back with us again to talk some vampires. Always a pleasure to have her in the spoiler room. It is none other from the horror, horror retrospective. Almost got it out. Kara. Hi, Kara. How you doing? Doing good. Glad to be back. Glad to have you. You've been, you've been becoming a regular here in the spoiler room again. It's great. All these uh, horror and, and vampire 
uh, movies, and uh, great to have you here, uh, especially for your perspective. Otherwise, it's just me and Ian, and, and that's just, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but. Thanks, Mark. People are going to say, oh, no, that weird girl's back again. <laughs> No, 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 not at all. Not with, not with our, not with our audience here. And yes, it is none other than the man who always keeps coming back for more. My right hand man and friend Ian Simmons is with us as well. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting conversation. Uh oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, no, I just need it's just scratching post. We, we need no, a scratching no, no. post. I, it's, <laughs> it's it's just I've got you know this movie's thirty years old and I've watched it in several different phases of my life, so it kind of means uh, something different every time. Which is hilarious mm-hmm. because I didn't notice the age. I just picked it because we were doing slaying it month, and I've been wanting to talk about this movie for quite some time. Um, and uh, before anyone uh, goes any further, yes, I know I do the programming of the show so I could probably watch it at any time, but you can't, you got to pick a timing. And this is just, I picked it cause it was slaying month. And yes, it is the 30th anniversary year of this film, which just made my arteries harden and the AARP <laughs> membership come in the mail, but still 30 years, oh, no. <laughs> 30 years. And when Debbie Gibson is starting to promote a concert on AARP for fundraising, Oh God! You you, you got to start to just look at your life and go. Oh, we're we're at that point. We're at that point. <laughs> I was on a, a tangent. I was on a red carpet with Debbie Gibson last year, mm-hmm. and everybody commented on two things: one, how nice she was, and two, what kind of a deal she made with uh, the devil because she looks like she's. <laughs> 25 years old <laughs> yeah yeah i i see that on the uh, aarp and the uh the uh, what is it the cameo commercials that you see so <laughs> she probably goes to nicole kidman's surgeon yeah maybe i don't know they all they all dip from the same lazarus pit i think so, <laughs> so something something but yes tonight we are looking at buffy the vampire slayer 1992 five years before the buffy tv show that came out and uh yeah we're gonna dive into a lot of interesting things but first for those of you who may not know what buffy the vampire slayer is all about ian's gonna tell us tonight the synopsis Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, buffy I don't... the vampire slayer I, it's pointless because anybody that I'm describing this to has massive head injuries from living under that rock for the three decades, so it's not going to mean anything to them. Oh, but get, come on, we—it's—it's it's a format. Spandex, keep... Valley Girls, tumbling. Gara, you did it. Thank you. <laughs> Throw on some vampires, and you got the synopsis right there. There you go. Right? Yeah. Um. All right. So. Yeah, it's essentially, if you're familiar at all with the TV show, this is like the prototype of that. We've got mm-hmm. this, uh, well, the, the original conception of Buffy Summers with, I don't even know if she had a last name in this nope. movie. She, was just she didn't. She was just Buffy. But she's this, you know, ditzy, you know, California cheerleader who hangs out with, you know, a bunch of ditzy California football players and other, you know, popular girls. Uh, she has these weird dreams of you know other lives in which she has this giant hairy mole on her chest and she's fighting yeah. the undead <laughs> and Rutger Hauer and Pee Wee Herman are in those dreams uh, and then one day <laughs> Donald Sutherland shows up uh, and starts like talking about how you know I need you <laughs> you're special 
<laughs> come with me after school. Yeah, he, he was just missing a white van, really. But uh, it turns out she's got a destiny. She is the vampire slayer, and uh, she's there to stop Rutger Hauer's, um, you know, king vampire, whatever. And Luke Perry's in the movie. Is sort of this uh, slacker, stoner, mall rat guy hanging out with David Arquette. And there's, of course, a budding romance, and there's a big dance at the end. And, uh, yeah, that led to the TV show, even though I don't think this movie did that well. I remember it being... I think the soundtrack was more popular than the film. I've got it. Regular rotation in my car for ages, ages. And just listening in general, this is my, this was in regular rotation. If, if you want one of, if you ever wondering, wow, what was the nineties like musically? Just pick the soundtrack up. You'll hit all the, you'll hit all the notes. Because there's such is that a... from '92. That is that a vintage CD you've got there? Yes, this is the actual '92 release CD. This is my nice. CD I picked up in '92. I still have. Uh, the case has changed. I picked up a case because you know the cases would break after a while. But yeah, it's with the insert and everything. It's from '92. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and there went the disc. So that just broke it. No, um, <laughs> but <laughs> the music in here is ama- is fun. The movie is fun. Uh, Joss Whedon. Wasn't so much fun, apparently. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he didn't go around Heine pinching. No, no, he didn't do Heine pinching. Well, as far as we know, I mean, that's... <laughs> and and, and we'll those guys get... were too young. <laughs> well, well, our our what seventeen or eighteen year old was our eighteen year old because it was her senior dance. Uh, is actually twenty three. Christy Swanson as Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, in here. Uh, a, a, along with a, a variety of familiar na- uh, faces, especially from early 90s. Uh, a lot of budding and up-and-coming uh, performers in this film. That is, is interesting. And I saw this in the theater by myself. I remember seeing it in the theater, and I, I dug it. As a matter of fact, that's when I went got out the soundtrack afterwards. I got it. I'm like, the music's great. It, actually, I got it for one. I Fought the Law by Mary's Danish, their cover of I Fought the Law and the Law. That's why I got this, in all honesty. <laughs> um, but I remember seeing it, and I dug it okay, and then I watched it again. I tried to find my VHS. I know it's around here somewhere. I couldn't find it. I actually had to rent it. Ah. Oh. God, I couldn't because I couldn't find my VHS. I know. Uh, but I, I dug it. Car, do you remember when you first saw this movie? Uh, I had rented it. I didn't get a chance to watch it in theater, but mm-hmm. I I loved it. And I, I'm not going to lie. I had a bootleg. I used to watch it all the time. Nice. nice. Well, you know, eventually you show on cable and they sell blank VHS for a reason. It wasn't for recording family events no it was so you could go ahead and get ready to press record or do the timer if you figured it out on your vhs to record it's it's not just for creating movies for moms and dads that's right (laughs) (laughs) oh that's what they were doing not just making margaritas in there but uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you remember when you saw this the first time i do it was one of those uh profoundly disheartening and disappointing movie going experiences Mm. i i have to well i have to preface this by saying i was to to call me a luke perry fan in the early 90s would be a a gross understatement i was he was the man for me i was a big 90210 guy um you know i just thought he was the coolest 
so I found out he was in a movie. Unfortunately, like he he was big in the '90s and he did a lot of movies. Unfortunately, a lot of those movies were not that great. Um, but I went to see Buffy because I like vampires. I love Luke Perry. I'm like, this is it. Um, unfortunately, whatever he was doing with his hair and that little goatee and the <laughs> kind of the weird stoner thing, like he was not Luke Perry to me sure. until he shows up in that dance where he's actually got the kind of 90210-ish hair and he's got yeah. that cool jacket. Um, you know, that's great. Um, but then also it's a PG 13 vampire show. So when vampires are getting stabbed through the chest, they're literally just like falling over and dying. Yeah. Like even, you know, fright night and the other kind of vampire movies I grew up watching, like they explode or they disintegrate or something. I'm like, what is this? It felt like a compromised film. And it wasn't until years later when the Buffy TV show came out, which I was a big fan of at the time that I realized, Oh, that's right. This is the sketch. This is like, this crazy young kid pitching his idea to Hollywood. And they're like, we'll give you this. <laughs> and then later he's able to parlay that into something uh, true to his vision. <clears throat> Watching it again this week, because I've only seen it a couple of times in the last few decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, yeah, this is fun. I still see it as an imperfect version of something that would go on to be perfected. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a it's a time capsule piece. I don't think it's a particularly good movie and it's not that enjoyable past the first like half hour. But, you know, it's cute. (laughs) And see, for me, I you know, I enjoy it immensely. It's strange. It's camp. Um, They took a light way with it. What's interesting is it makes me wonder because I, I read the stories about it later on about how Joss did not like the direction they were taking the film. They wanted the producers in the studio wanted an upbeat kind of campy comedy about vampire slayers. And he's looking for his dark mysterious, his, his brooding dark, you know, heavy, what we got in 97. Um, mm-hmm. But it makes me wonder, would we have got the TV show in 97? Should, if they would have actually gone the route that, because he basically took the ideas that he came up with in the movie and expounded on them in the TV show. But, you know, it makes me wonder if they didn't tick him off, if he wouldn't have come back with the TV show, if if it would have been just a few movies and then, you know, uh, moved on. Uh, you know, I, I just I was curious about that watching it this time. I'm like, you know, maybe there was a good reason to come out of him being ticked off at this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's something to that because I don't know what his if his vision was to do movies like if he had yeah. gotten like you're saying a true Buffy the Vampire Slayer film, would he have had a sequel in mind? Because mm-hmm. for me, Buffy works perfectly as a TV show that can run several seasons and explore yep. different themes. I mean, I would have been devastated if we never got the Buffy and and Angelus kind of like turn that uh, was it seasons two and three yeah uh where she loses her virginity and her boyfriend like turns into the big bad for like two seasons or whatever it was it's some beautiful you know although looking back <laughs> 1990s kind of cheesy bits to it but you know it, it dramatically i think it was tight so yeah i'm glad that we got this version of it because it led to better things but mm-hmm. watching it i'm like i'd rather just kind of go watch the buffy tv show because I see those Joss Whedon seeds in here fighting mm-hmm. with the studio vision. I think <laughs> yeah. Donald Sutherland was pretty good. 
I love Rutger Hauer as an actor, but I could see that he was like trying to do something serious, but then he would have to do like, I don't know what his line was. So like, as if I'm like, no, just stop. <laughs> Turn that volume was, all the way down. I was thinking in reference to the, the can of hairspray and the, the lighter. And he's like, please. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I don't know. Maybe here's my my critic card. I I love all those bits about this movie. I look at it as time caps. I look at it as a standalone. There's the Buffy the TV show, and then there's this one. Uh, you know, there's this, which is a separate beast, and and I think I take it for that. You know, I totally, even though it's similar characters, that I think I totally just disassociate it. Maybe it's because of when I watched it um, from the TV show. That I look at him at just like, you know, this is just another like an Elseworld or an alternate telling or whatnot. Because this has so much stuff I love in it. The, the cheesy one-liners, the camp, uh, you know, Christy Swanson, who she's not a high school student. We're talking, I mean, we're talking early 80s, but there's no way you're buying that she's a, a high school kid uh I, I just you know or luke perry or or david you know none of the nearly anyone in here uh the main characters look like teen you know like like actual teenagers like they're supposed to be the the supporting cast i think kind of does hillary swank uh kind of does and uh you know her her group of friends uh but the main characters themselves i didn't i didn't buy that they were teenagers yeah it's it's also weird because and we've got the benefit of hindsight, but you know the Buffy character. I don't think that they were developed enough as these vapid kind of uh, mm -hmm. mall rat uh, shopping kids, as we would see three years later in Clueless. Right. It's kind of like this is the is like you like to say great value version of Clueless. <laughs> Everything in this movie is just slightly off by like two mm -hmm. degrees. And the compounding effect of that when it's over is like, there's always something better than this. And it turns out there kind of are. But, you know, maybe this served as the template. Carl, what would you think of, of Buffy, uh, Christy Swanson and Buffy and her, her group of friends, especially for early 90s teens? To me, they're, they're all pretty believable. I mean, as far as the way they, they carry themselves, they're very one-dimensional. What I like is... Um, and I don't know if anybody would agree, but I kind of think of Buffy as being more like a coming of age story. Like she grows up and she realizes there's more to life than just the mall and the latest fashion. And she really kind of changes and sort of becomes ostracized from her own group, even though they're the the popular kids. They're like, who are you? I can't relate to you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It does have that coming of age. She does mature. You do get an arc. For a silly, campy film like this, they do keep a bit of that Joss Whedon type of arc, you know, growth of a character with Buffy's character because not only do you get that, but you get later on, you know, how one of their friends, Veronica, died. Uh, you know, she's actually kind of mourning her friend while her friends are, like, mourning the yellow jacket she wore. Yeah. <laughs> it's very very heathers in that respect it, yeah. oh it felt a lot there was a huge heathers vibe with this uh group of friends especially uh and we've got we've got petty who's from usually the uh uh earth mightiest critics he shows up and he said the good night this movie had an innocence that today's movies don't have it does actually it's 
You know, it's all it's one of those vampire films where I don't mind that there isn't a lot of blood because I don't it wouldn't have fit this overall tone. I mean, this this movie just in general, it starts off campy. It it starts off goofy. And for me, I guess I didn't miss the blood. And usually I do for vampire films. I mean, freaking Twilight. You've got werewolves and vampires. You shouldn't have them shattering. There should be blood and guts everywhere. But you, you didn't get that in Twilight. But here, I think it fits the story to not have that because uh, the whole thing almost feels like, a, you know, satirical. But it's innocent. It's innocent. You said it, Ian. It's PG-13, you know, that they're going for with this. And it fit, but I guess I didn't miss it. Maybe because I found too much charm with this story. I don't know. You know, and, and everyone's got their own taste. It's just that, you know, and again, I think my expectation when I was soft and I was, you know, 15 or 16 or whatever is coming from watching horror movies. I'm like, okay, it's a vampire film. It's sort of what would happen, you know, a couple decades later with Twilight. I'm like, this is a bloodless vampire <laughs> movie. What is going on here? And it felt wrong then and it felt wrong with, with Buffy. I mean, there's still ways that you can have a high school comedy that, you know, comments on teen vacuousness and have it be an actual bloody vampire movie i'm thinking of something like a like an evil dead style uh thing you know have the blood be green or black you know they've done black blood <laughs> black when they're blood, like oh yeah. we can't show actual violence it's got to be you know science fiction you know horror yeah. violence whatever they the the standard is but yeah it's just again everything felt kind of off or half measured it's like i kept being taken out of the movie by consciously registering these compromises mm -hmm. when the vampires get staked through the hearts this is the first time i think i've ever seen a vampire movie up to that point where they don't disintegrate or blow up or something happens like why is he falling over as if someone had just stabbed him in the chest with a knife they might as well have just stabbed him in the chest with a knife because it has the same effect but that's not supposed to kill vampires but you know <laughs> this does emo vampire death yeah Evil look, the Paul, the Paul Rubens death with the ah, that was awesome. Ooh, that, was yes, that was great. That was great. That was great. That's the only reason that I can forgive this. It made for a great end credit sequence too, because you still get him. I love that. <laughs> it was great. Still going. Still going. Which is funny because I was reading up Paul Rubens' character, Aylin, uh, Aylin, who was the right-hand man to Lothos, played by Rutger Howard, who I love. I love so many people in this film, too. Maybe that's why, because when I was a kid, I loved just so many people in this movie. I loved Rutger Howard and, and seeing him play this just cheesy, over-the-top Nosferatu, you know, Dracula-type guy. But uh, Paul Rubens, uh, I guess his character was actually supposed to be female and was supposed to be played by, was it Joan Chen? I think it was or so, but she fell out. Really? So they rewrote the part for uh, uh, Paul Rubens. And this was his first movie at, since his the incident in the movie theater. Uh, <laughs> you know, but was I, this before or after he came out and did the MTV Movie Awards after that happened? Uh, I think this was, I think he came out. Uh, Around that same time, it may have been okay. when he came out that at the uh, uh, movie awards, I think. Because um, that was like the all-time great, like, I'm going to put this scandal behind me. Like, you're going to laugh about it still, but this squashes it. He comes, yeah. just comes out and says, hey, heard any good jokes lately? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was 
great. But he's he's hilarious. I I really like Paul Rubens, and it was funny because this is the first time a lot of people saw him outside of his Pee Wee Herman persona. I mean, I, I, I remember it, you know, and, and I loved his character. He was a perfect, you know, you don't get a whole lot of Rutger Howard. You get mostly him because he's doing the, the footwork for Lothos, uh, you know, chasing after uh, Luke Perry's character and, and uh, biting, uh, you know, David Arquette's Benny um, <laughs> and everybody else, uh, you know, but I, I really liked I thought it was great seeing Paul Rubens not being Pee Wee Herman uh, and seeming to enjoy not being Pee Wee Herman. Well, it's the same year uh, that he popped up for like two minutes in Batman Returns. Right. Yep. And people like, wait a second. That's Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) Oh, my God. And not only that, but, you know, playing as serious part as you can get for Batman Returns. And also just dumping, helping his wife dump Dump their baby newborn child into the river. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was just in a cabbie for it. So it was great seeing him as as not Pee Wee. Uh, but I liked him in Lothos quite a bit. Him and Rutgers seem to be just having a lot of fun with this role. Like, th- they just took this role. Okay, this looks like it'd be fun. And and they didn't cash it in. But at the same time, you could tell they're just they're just having a blast. Uh, Car, what do you think of our two, two main vampires? Um, I liked Rutger Hauer. I wasn't familiar with who he was. Mm, at the mm-hmm. time because I was I was still a kid so I didn't discover who he was until I watched Blade Runner in college and I was like who is this mm-hmm. but I think he does really well um the the film overall it's it definitely has that 90s feel but I think it still holds up mm-hmm. um I really don't have any negative critiques against any of the the actors but I do like how they they kind of stuck in that classic horror nod with the that shiny no yeah was it the shining reference um mm. salem's lot where um benny's floating outside of pike's <laughs> pike's window and he's like let me in yeah <laughs> and there was that there was that nice little exchange like i'm hungry you're floating, floating. oh yeah. i i quoted but I, to sleep. he almost let him in until yeah. he realized wait a minute yeah <laughs> Oh, I love the scene between Arquette and Luke Perry in that. I, I, I'd quote that all the time. My buddy and I would call that, quote that uh, part all the time where, where he gets up and he's like, man, where you been, Benny? I call you like 50 times, man. Where you? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hey, this old guy, he picked me up. I thought he was going to hit on me. <laughs> I, mean, I, I loved all the characters in this, too. I mean, Luke Perry's stoner and David Arquette, you know, Benny stoner. Uh, which he's more vampire. We get to see more of him as a vampire than Star. But I liked I liked these two guys quite a bit. They reminded me of a bit. Well, one's more talkative than the other. A little bit of uh, Jay and Silent Bob in some ways. <laughs> Early, you know, the spirit of them, the, the way they were, you know, the way they talked. Benny more so maybe than uh, uh, Perry. But uh, you know, I I liked I quoted him many times. But I really enjoyed. Uh, Perry's character in here I, I he's fun and again uh he the all of these actors could have easily just cashed out I mean it, it's a goofy movie you know especially all of them some of them were up and coming some of them already had serious parts but they don't they actually stick to the gimmick and and they seem to be in 
for this movie and and they're having fun and i think that helps versus an actor who just shows up and goes oh this is a goofy vampire film okay i'm just gonna you know especially donald sutherland adding donald sutherland just having his presence i think adds a lot (laughs) you know well he i think lucked out with this part because his Merrick character is so kind of mercurial and removed mm-hmm. that it's hard to tell if Donald Sutherland gave a shit or if he was creating a character with this. Cause he literally there's just like scenes of him standing over in the corner, like, you know, like <sighs> Buffy, you were supposed to meet me after school. You know, that's, that's great. I don't know how else you act that part, but they might've just, you know, work that in with uh with him but yeah i mean it's it's all right but again i see what that character this is this is the sketch and i see what a fully realized version of this character looks like with giles later on in the show i'm like right yeah it's it's an inter- it's it's kind of like when you watch old star trek mm-hmm. and you see what the klingons look like <laughs> and you're like for 1963 that was pretty cool but then you watch what they did with Michael Dorn in The Next Generation. You're like, oh, yeah, this is what it could be. That other <laughs> thing was just what they had at the time. But this is what it's supposed to be. And that's that's the that's how I view. And I've said this a hundred times already on this show. But that's, that's right. kind of how I no, feel about Buffy no. the Vampire Slayer. I get it. You know, I, 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 go ahead. I thought he did all right. Like he to me, he's believable as this tired old man who's been doing this for centuries. It's just worn him down. But I I half believe the only reason he he even got this part was because um, his son was David and the Lost Boys, so it's Mm. kind of like throwing the nod at the family. I wouldn't doubt that that's part of the casting. Apparently, Joss wanted him in the film, but uh, he uh, as as he worked with Donald, he thought Donald Sutherland get this. Joss Whedon thought Donald Sutherland was a dick, and that was part of the reason why he left. Joss Whedon thought. But anyway, well, listen, I, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to stand up a little bit for Joss Whedon because uh, um, I know he's got a reputation. Yeah. But I met him uh, at San Diego Comic-Con in like 2004 or something like that. He was just on the floor talking to sure. like some fans, just like walking. It, he wasn't like in a booth or anything. He was just walking around. He was very nice with his fans. And I went up to him because I was a comics journalist at the time. I was writing for a website and I was actually getting paid. And I hit him up for an interview and we spent 10 minutes trying to work out the logistics of how we were going to get together and talk the next day before I had to catch a flight out of town. Mm. And it didn't work out. He did give me his email address and said, you know, we'll mm-hmm. hook sure. this up and everything. But he was and that's one of the reasons that it kind of really disappointed me later on mm-hmm. is because I was a huge fan of his work. After meeting him and interacting with him for a bit, it was I was a big fan of him. And then to find out all these stories, it's like, well, yeah. And kind of like Mark and I were talking in our Singing in the Rain episode a few days ago, which is kind of strange, um, with the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard situation, you just never know. And that yeah. swings both ways. Oh, yeah. You hear the stories about what an unrepentant, raging asshole Joss Whedon is. And there's probably some truth to that, but there's probably truth going the other way. Oh, no, absolutely. I was saying it mostly in jest. I just, uh, you know, I imagine Donald Sutherland, because apparently Donald uh, was uh, big on improv and and kind of changing his character up because he's 
Donald Sutherland. Uh, you know, at least that's the approach he kind of took. And that didn't agree well with Joss, who had a very specific image, like with a lot of things in this movie, for the Merrick character. Like originally, Merrick was supposed to commit suicide. Because this film was supposed to be a lot darker, he was still supposed to, he was supposed to get uh, turned by Lothos, get mm. bit by Lothos. Because you get the scene with the uh, uh, throw, you know, the tossed away. Uh, I loved it. The Rose Bowl parade, uh, you know, floats that are this graveyard of floats is where they're at, and um, you know, it's an early confrontation between Buffy and Lothos, and Merrick shows up. It's actually well directed and, and we'll get to it in a minute but this movie's actually I, I like how it was directed quite a bit but the, the characters all show up our main characters and they discover it's a little too early for Buffy to confront confront Lothos and Lothos is like oh well too bad I'm going to take a bite and Merrick dives in you know in uh, in between them which he's not supposed to do and he was going to try to stake Lothos and he gets staked in the movie version but I guess in the film in the version Joss had uh, he was supposed to get bit by Lothos. As Lothos goes in to bite Buffy, uh, Merrick gets in the way, and he gets bit, and then he commits suicide so he doesn't turn into a vampire. I'm like, well, shit, that's a lot darker. <laughs> that, that's a hell of a lot darker than what what we yeah. get. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like the way it went in the movie, in all honesty. Well, yeah, because it fits for this movie. If right, that right. In this like yeah. goofy light teen comedy, then like, whoa, what's, yeah. <laughs> what's and, going on here? And, and, and Petty, all makes... of a sudden, I'm all Sylvia Plath. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Petty makes a good point. He says it's a movie that I could see uh, with my little children. Also, Donald Sutherland gives mm-hmm. it an extra. Um, you, you agree yeah. with that, Cara? Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those films that just anybody can come together like it has some of those cheeky comments like when she's on the motorcycle but i i think it's it's bland enough to where even if you're watching it with the kids it'll just kind of go over their head and they won't really understand anyway mm-hmm. but it's i think it's yeah it's it's just a fun watch in general even just for a movie night like you don't really have to be too careful about who you watch it with yeah because it's got that kind of innocence it's got that uh, innocent approach i mean Things are implied, but they don't come like fully come out and say things. I mean, in the beginning, yeah, you've got the jocks being jocks. Who <laughs> I just I love these. Wow, if there was ever the epitome yeah. of of the jocks, it's our our Buffy's boyfriend and his two buddies. Um, Very chauvinist. <laughs> yeah. Like, let me borrow her. Mm-hmm. No, you get her dirty. <laughs> I know, right? And. And what I love, and that was part of the growth, though, that you have for your Buffy character, in all, in all honesty, because she sees those guys later on. She kind of sees them how they they truly are. It's like mm-hmm. you know, and he ends up going with uh, who's it? Jennifer, played by Michelle Abrams, in here like perfectly. Like that's that character. What you want for that character? She just was embodied the the kind of pushover friend. Uh, the, the the hanger on, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, these three jocks are are total jocks, uh, and her boyfriend, it, like I said, they're like that on purpose so you could see the growth of Buffy because you get that point later on where his friend, I couldn't believe it, his friend goes and goes, ooh, I gotta get me some, and, and tries to, and he grabs her ass, and yeah, she he grabs her, and and she literally toss hip throws him <laughs> to the crowd. It slams against the locker, and I love his reaction. Like, 
whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the boyfriend comes in, is like, hey, you you know, she's mine or whatever. And she's just like, screw both you guys. You get lost. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I liked how they, this was a part of Buffy that I felt was still Joss, was the, the, the strong female part, you know, the way Buffy kind of grew. And even though it, it, not quite what we see it later on, I think her character, they kept, I may have kept the most consistent, you know, for maybe what he was looking for versus uh, the rest of the film. But, uh, you know, I, I liked her approach and, and everything. And, and Christy Swanson, I thought she played it, played it well. Um, you know, uh, and some of the stunts are her. They, she is actually doing some of the kicking and gymnastics part, I think. Not all of it, but uh, some of it. And yeah, I mean, I, I like the way her character grows, and and you have these chauvinistic guys there to help show that growth, <laughs> whereas you have the stoner guy who's the nice guy, right? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, would you say it's maybe kind of like a predecessor to like early girl power? Kind of like you can do for yourself. You don't need some jerk kind of like just pushing you around and bullying you around. Like she actually stood up for herself. She also fought the villains. So she's kind of like this, not necessarily like a warrior, but she's a, she's a hero to, to younger girls. Like she's a good role model. Yeah. I mean, that, but that's not, I mean, that was not as rare for the era as I think we're, we're making it out to be. I mean, if you look at 1987, you've got, uh, it's not a a science fiction or an action movie, but it was can't buy me love with, uh, Mm patrick dempsey i mean it's pretty much this movie except for <laughs> the whole you know the the vapid kind of high school girl with the even more vapid click she ends up going out with and giving a makeover to the the nerdy you know lawnmower boy uh <laughs> and he becomes popular and the tables turn and the, the same kind of uh growth i mean th- th- these this was sort of a template style film that was honestly kind of going out of fashion by the early 90s that was revived later in the 90s by movies that more commented on that. I think Joss Whedon was sort of wanted to be ahead of that curve, Mm -hmm. but he was stifled because he was a bit, he was like three years too early for this. (laughs) And then Clueless came out and then Kevin Williamson with Scream. And I think that is what opened the door for Joss Whedon to say, hey, I've got this Buffy TV show idea. Remember that thing that you shit all over four years ago? It's time. Which, which is funny because the director of this film was the producer of the show. Yeah. Is the executive producer. Yeah, uh, it was uh, Kaz and Fran Rubel Kazooie, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said it. I wouldn't able to say it. I think I was the only naysayer. Like, when they announced the TV show, I was like, why? I don't <laughs> I don't see it going anywhere. I didn't expect it to make it past its first season. Mm-hmm. I watched it. It was fun. It grew on me. But I, I just didn't see it at the time. I did I like think... how it, it picked up right where the movie left off, though, like as a continuation. Yeah, it was actually a continuation. They do make references that Joss had put in the original script, which was including Buffy setting fire to the entire gym to kill all the vampires in it. That didn't mm-hmm. happen in the movie, but it was supposed to. And they do make references in the TV show. You're right. And and there are a few other uh, references as well uh, because they use the outline of his script anyway before they... they really chopped it up yeah i think if i remember correctly it's been a while since i watched those early seasons but 
they do there is a flashback scene to the timeline of the movie where it's Sarah Michelle Geller in the cheerleader outfit and she's introduced to Merrick, but it was Richard Riley, the character actor who was from Office Space. He was the guy who did the jump to conclusions, Matt. Yes. Um and yeah, that was that was really fun to see Sarah Michelle Geller play the Christy Swanson part in the way that I think Joss Whedon had wanted that character to be played in the movie version. Right. That portrayal of her in that flashback in the TV show is what I wanted to see <laughs> out of Christy Swanson in the TV version. Oh, and look, Petty showing up with another comment that's probably going to trigger Ian. Don't don't get triggered, Ian. He goes, <laughs> it's a shame that the series wasn't as good as the movie. I guess it must be a budget issue. Uh... <laughs> that's confusing to me on several levels. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as they say in France, I know Petty's from Argentina, uh, chacun a son goût. means everyone has their own taste. They do. No, they do. And in all honesty, uh, I'm kind of with Kara on this. I I had friends who were just adored Buffy, talked about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I didn't actually watch a lot of it when it was out. I didn't really. I, I watched it later. Uh, my wife was watching it. She's a big fan of the TV series. And when she was watching it, I sat down and watched it with her. And at first I was like, I'm not quite seeing the big deal um with it i was enjoying it okay but i was like you know because yeah. for me i loved the movie in all honesty i i, I really actually that, that was my hang up too honestly i was like i why what are you doing <laughs> you know i i loved the the colors i loved the the crazy characters in the movie the the, the camp the, the the kind of that innocent spirit of stuff and then yeah you get you know the true buffy and it was just like uh Whoa. And then once, you know, once we got into it was okay, but then there were a few, it was, and I don't know a lot of the episodes and everything. My, my wife would know better, but for me with the TV show and the reason we're bringing it up is because it is related to the movie folks. Um, it, it hit, started to hit a season where I was really getting tired of it. It was, it was, it was taxing on me. Uh, it was the, the episodes before like the season or season and a half before the singing episode. Because, mm. because that season, like with the Spike thing and all that, I like Spike. I love Spike. Don't get me wrong. I love the characters, but the storyline, what they were doing with Buffy, it was getting muddled, and I was just like starting to feel like a rinse, wash, repeat. And I'm like, okay, are we, are we moving beyond this or what? And then they did the singing episode and leave it to Joss Whedon to take a singing episode and actually kind of write the ship of where they were going and and even retcon a couple of things for it and explain mm -hmm. a couple of things and after that singing episode it picked back up and i started to enjoy it more but for a while before the singing yeah. episode i was like this is a slog you, you were you there too cara cara excuse me um yeah. i liked that um just speaking of the singing episode i liked that slap in the face moment at the end like where they resurrected her because they thought they saved her from hell and she's like i was in heaven you buttheads you yeah. ruined it for me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I dug that part too. Like I said, that that whole that that episode and going forward, it kind of righted things for me. Um, but still, it was hard to get into because I did enjoy this movie so much. This movie just struck a chord with me because of the fun and the innocence. You know, uh, even at its at, at its darkest moments. I mean, I just I I liked 
a lot of it. It just it struck a chord with me. It was like I'm, I'm watching this on the big screen going, this is fun. This is like the campy stuff I, I wanted to see, you know, and quoted it quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd walk around every so often and quote Rucker Howard's character. Go, oh, show me a real slayer. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know. Ian, Ian's like, oh, my God, why am I? Well, no, we, here? we had similar reactions to the TV show being announced, but for different reasons. I was like, I don't want to see this TV show because I didn't think the movie was very good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, why would I want to watch a TV series based on something that I didn't enjoy? But, you know, I I was pretty, I think I was pretty into it from uh, from early on. I think it got better and better. But I will agree with you. Like, there are, I think, past season four, uh, they could have just wound it down. But then they get into, like you mentioned, the whole, like, spike thing and that was they're sort of a victim of their own success because he became a popular character like wow we need to put him in everything and there's gonna be like a love triangle and spike and buffy are gonna be doing it like no just quit Um, and then they then like at the very end the only plus of like the last season is they actually brought in an early nathan fillion who would then go on to work with Joss and Firefly, right? Um, as like the the evil preacher uh, priest who wants to bring about the end of the world, and there's like all of a sudden there's a a, a house full of resurrect uh, of new slayers. It's like mm-hmm. the sorority of slayers. I'm like, you guys are really. I can see the smoke yeah, coming off the wheels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not um, a way to go like out. The, the show grew on me. I I did come to like it. Um, my only gripe is singing episodes. That was like a horrible '90s thing. Even Xena the Warrior Princess had a singing episode. Yeah. Did they? I, I didn't watch much Xena, and yeah. maybe now I'm, I made the right decision. <laughs> singing episode of Xena. Geez, I'm not sure if Hercules had one, but yeah, Xena had one. Uh, that that was kind of the gimmick uh, for a while. Was this before your Glee and everything? They'd have singing yeah. episodes. <laughs> um. But that's okay because after the singing episode, then uh, Dawn, Diva of the Spoiler Room, loves uh, Re- uh, Repo, the genetic opera, which, you know, has uh, the performer who plays Giles in that one uh, singing. So <laughs> she loves that. Yeah, that one had a girl on me, too. <laughs> okay, I'm not the only one. I don't feel so bad. I, I Dawn and I disagree on very few films. That's kind of one of them to where I'm like, eh, and she's like, hey, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah. But, Ian, you would appreciate it because Dawn was kind of like, eh, with the Batman. So there you go. So y- you two are well, in a similar No, case. It's, I was not eh with the I know, Batman. You were, it was, you it was a it. dripping, yeah. visceral yes. hate, yes. and I feel the exact same way about <laughs> Repo the Genetic Opera, a movie that I've watched <laughs> twice. <laughs> Repo, you know, repossess this generic opera. That's what I would say. Um, <laughs> wow. I uh, I watched it twice. Uh, I gave it, I think there was like five years between viewings. I'm like, no, this is still shit. But I, but that I, I love the people involved. The in music, it. they should have been trained uh, before they went in for that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm no expert either. I can't carry a tune to save my life, but I don't make movies. <laughs> <laughs> and neither did they. But luckily... Uh, there's no singing in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer 1992. Uh, what I will say, though, is I do enjoy the direction of this film. And watching it again, now as, like, critic eyes, because before I just watched it because I really enjoyed it. I've watched this movie many, many times. Like I said, I quoted it often. Um, 
watching it through director's eyes, they actually do some fun direction things in here for the type of film it is. Like, uh, you're doing the one song, uh, Eat, Out, uh, Eat Out My Heart, uh, on here. It's um, uh, performed by uh, the Divinals. I ain't going to eat out my heart anymore. Uh, they're doing the montage thing while she's training, uh, which it's a great song for the training montage. But at one point, she gets into a phrase, I love you, I love you, I do, boy. And they actually have in the montage footage that goes along with the yeah. with the, with the lyrics. They have, during that part, you have Buffy with her boyfriend in the montage. And she, she goes off to go training, and he's just like, oh. And then she comes back and hops on him and gives him a big, huge smooch or whatever. And then he feels a little better. Uh, I don't care that douche, he could die earlier. I didn't like him at all. Uh, you know, hurt my Buffy. But anyway, uh, <laughs> okay, I had a crush but on it, Christy. It was a music video, though. It was what? good. Yeah, it was like a music. No, it, it was a, like a, it was like a music video. But there's some other parts in here as well that are <laughs> are directed. I thought very well for the film that it is. It's it's actually you know uh, the way it flows and the way a lot of the scenes come together. I thought were were edited well, especially the comedic part, like uh, Buffy. As the vampires show up at the dance, and they can come in because we invited them. They're seniors. Um, oh, <laughs> see what I mean? I've watched this movie way too many times. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, technically that is true. It's an invitation. That's that's true. Um, so she goes off and looks for uh, Lothos, and she's standing there, and all of a sudden, uh, Paul Rubens just pops up in the back of her and just goes. <laughs> Admit it. Are there times when you just have that not so fresh feeling? <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's just less than fresh. Less than fresh, yeah. And <laughs> it, it, it's just, it was just a great little moment. But there's a lot of those in this film that I, I, I enjoy. You know, um, I don't know. I hate the burst your bubble, Mark, but I, I rolled my eyes super hard in the theater when I saw that when I was 15, yeah, because yeah. by that point, that douche joke was way played out that was that was a studio note i'm convinced joss whedon did not write that line no i i would no <laughs> it makes me curious though like from an occult perspective because i didn't obviously when i was a kid i didn't think about it but the fact that the the slayer is a female so she uses her her moon or her time of the month to detect vampires and she's using something that already happens naturally which is cramping so that's how she can I like it's her vampire radar or something. Mm -hmm. I just kind of thought that was interesting because you're taking two separate things that are blood related and kind of putting them together in a way that I never would have thought to do. Yeah, that was that was actually a neat innovation. I I'm surprised and I'm also not surprised that they didn't explore that more in the uh, in the TV show. Yeah, that was abandoned by Josh in the TV show. <laughs> He's like, no, no, we're not doing that. Uh, oh, look, Petty again. Uh, the last Batman movie was pretty decent. He saw it a few days ago, and he quite liked it. Well, Petty, you're one of the few people who've watched the streaming and actually enjoyed it because there's two schools, apparently, for most of the enjoyment of the, the Batman. And those who watched in theater, more of those people than those who didn't enjoyed it in the theater, but now more people streaming, apparently, don't care for it. Uh, Is that so, true? I, I haven't I, heard that. Well, no, I just if I go by my news feed. Uh, but mm. not anybody's talking about this film, which is a shame because I, go ahead, Cara. No, I was going to say, I, I never, I, I saw it at home, but it, mm. it sounds like it has the avatar effect. Like everybody in theater is like, Ooh, ah, 
It, it may have been. I don't know. It may have been the, the audience experience as well. I, I saw it three times in the theater. So And it, it's taken me a lot to not watch it again on streaming because I have a lot of other things to do. And uh, that, you know, it's a long movie to carve out three hours. I really have to plan for it ahead of time. But I will watch it again before it leaves streaming. Um, sparkly Batman. <laughs> he doesn't sparkle. But it explains it because those vampires are made of glass, apparently, that we discovered later on in that Twilight series when they got attacked. Uh, but these vampires aren't made of glass in uh, Buffy at all. They are made of the 90s. And, <laughs> and, uh, no hearts of glass. No, no, no hearts of glass. Uh, that would have been a, that would have been a good song for for that soundtrack. Hearts of glass. Little, little, yeah. little blondie. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, even you know you get uh, your Ozzy song during the um, you get your Ozzy song during the party party, party with, with the, the animals. animals. See. Yeah. I mean, you know, as much as, yes, it's cheesy camp, and you're like, eh, they're, they tried to do some creative things. It's not the Buffy that you know, but it's a standalone Buffy for me. You've got the Buffy TV show, and you've got this, and I think I can enjoy I enjoy them both for different reasons. Um, yeah. What's even more fun, though, rewatching it is just the sheer volume of people, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, that are in this movie. I mean, we've already mentioned it slightly. Hillary Swank, David Arquette, you know, Luke Perry is in here. Your Rutger Howard, Paul Rubens, okay. But then you get Stefan Root in here as the wonderful principal. I love the principal in, in this. The, the conversation he has about, about drugs. LSD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like so bored. She spits a, what is it, a push pin out of fly. Yeah. Yeah, and which freaks him out, but I just love his whole conversation. Yeah, we were at a, what was it? We were at Van Morrison concert, and the music I could just see it was just, it was just flowing. It was just flowing, and and the girl I was with, her her head got as big as a balloon, and then she kills <laughs> kills the fly, and he's just like, and and then after that, I I started freaking out. <laughs> it's just like I, I love the prince. Or at the end when you've got all the spiked uh, vampire bodies around, he's going detention, detention, yeah. detention, 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 uh, detention. <laughs> did I get? I think that's everybody. No, wait. I mean, he, you know, he's having fun in here, but you get like a very brief appearance of Seth Green in here. You do get. Where was Seth Green? I missed that. I didn't recognize him. He actually had a scene apparently, but it was cut. But you can see it's when she busts out of the um it's very brief. You usually see the back of him. He's the redheaded uh um vampire that kicks Buffy. Uh she comes out of the uh um gym, I think it was, but he he kicks her, but it's very hmm. brief. But apparently he <clears> did of course have the redhead's gonna kick her in the back. Well yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um well, the, I, I was just wondering, did they have to use like wires or something to get him up to the height where he could kick? <laughs> I, kick. I, I, I think it was that that exact same Comic Con that I actually passed Seth Green. I, I swear to God, I nearly tripped over him. It was <laughs> He's a short, short man. Uh, yeah, that's so I've heard. Um, but yeah, you get Ben Affleck in here, which, which, like, I forgot he was in here till till the basketball scene, where he's one of the basketball players where vampire. Uh, uh, was it a vampire? Uh, uh, his his buddy. Um, ah, I forgot the name of him now. But he was he was. Oh, Zeph. 
It was Zeph played by uh, uh, Thomas Jan, I think that was, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it was um, or... Thomas Jane. Tom Jane was the uh, the guy in the mechanic shop. Oh, that's right. He was the mechanic shop guy. It was uh, Grueler. That's who it is. Sasha Jensen playing Grueler. It was uh, the Grueler character who's vamped out, who shows up. Um, he takes the ball away from, I was like, holy crap, Ben Affleck with, a, with curly hair. Like, really curly hair. <laughs> I think this was like the year... This was either the year or the year before he was in uh, school ties. Yeah. And so what's great is like, I love the cameos when it's not even like, oh, this is my early career. No, this is when you are just going to be random basketball guys <laughs> on the court. Like your big break is getting to have a reaction with one of the main characters. Not even credited. He's not even in the right. credits because he doesn't get a speaking part. So he doesn't have to have a credit. So, yeah, I mean. <laughs> and, and Thomas Jane. Mm-hmm. At the end, you see his credit. It's Tom Janes. Yeah, Tom Janes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, there's there's all kinds of kind of re- recognizable faces in here. You get the goofy, you know, you get the goofy coach in here too, the existential coach. <laughs> and remember, when we all work together, together we'll win, right? <laughs> the guy who wasn't should have been. Yeah, a it was. Um, that was Mark. DeCarlo? Yeah, Mark DeCarlo. His, his claim to fame was he was on a TV show called Studs yep. right about that time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other claim to fame is he went to the high school that I went to. Did he really? Yeah, it was like a big coup. Everyone was jealous that one of the kids on the school paper got to interview and was like, oh my God, he's such a big star. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know Alexis Arquette was in this also. Alexis Arquette, really? Uh, vampire DJ. Yeah. Was that? Oh, okay. yeah. Wow. I didn't recognize him. Oh. No, well, because of the makeup on him, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, uh, Candy Clark was Buffy's mom. I mean, there's so many people. You could tell it was kind Ricky of a... Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake showed up. Yeah, she was the Bart. She was the uh, uh, waitress. Waitress. Yeah, yeah. She, she's the waitress where they dump the money. I love that scene, too. Yeah, sto- like, what can we afford? Like two coffees or a hot dog? <laughs> it's just so great how he just dumps the money on the trade. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was amazing uh, 10 years before that in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, anyway, God. sorry. Here, Slash was in this. Are you, are you okay? I'm, I'm okay. I got, a, I got yeah. an itch right here. <laughs> <laughs> Slash with it. Yeah, I mean... They had a lot of people, so you could tell it was probably studio trying to cram who they could because this was going to be kind of the comedy gimmick cameo movie they were planning, and that's not what Joss wanted, which we found out, you know, five years later. Uh, Petty asks, uh, when the film was released, what audience was it aimed at? Teenagers, right? Did it work for them, or was it a failure? Uh, it's hard to say. It was $7 million budget only. Uh, even with all these uh, folks in it, it was they're early in her career, so that's why you could afford them. Uh, probably, uh, it did make like sixteen million. So you know, by that standards, it was a success. Uh, you know, some some of my friends that had seen it, they they enjoyed it. I'm not sure just how much it was because back then, you know, analytics was a little bit tougher to catch who was watching yeah. what. I mean, now cripes, you just. You know, you, you've got those folks that troll all social media and look what age, what demograph, what gender and what area uh-huh. mentioned the movie. You know, <laughs> it's like you can get that now, you know, it's, um, it's the uh, what is it? The updated um, ASL. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> American Sign Language. No, no, no. Age, sex, location. 
86 oh, okay. location. It's, yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, in gaming, people talk about RPGs, you know, role-playing games. I always think of rocket-propelled grenades. I always have two different conversations going on in my head at any given time. It means both. So there you go. Exactly. <laughs> it can have um, multiple meanings depending on context. Um, now, if I were to sign age, sex, location, that might help me out. Anyway, uh, but no, to answer Petty's question... Um, it's kind of a tough one because I was a teenager. I was a Luke Perry fan. I loved vampires and I did not care for this movie. But as evidenced by my worthy co-hosts here, it did work. So it, the answer is maybe. It, it depends. Again, well, eh. I was a kid and I'm vampire biased. <laughs> I, I, I kind of had a crush on Christy Swanson after this. Um, but I did enjoy Luke Perry and, and everybody in it. I, you know, it hit, it hit for me. Um, I think it was hit or miss for, for folks. I think let's put it this way. I've in all honesty, it's probably a good thing in the end that Joss didn't make the movie that he wanted to make, because I don't think it would have been the right time for a movie like this. And, and if you look at the way he wrote the TV series, very fitting for its time. I just, I don't think because the, especially early nineties, I mean, I, I could be off. I mean, am I off Cara? Do you think if you went the dark route and they took a more serious toe with it, it, it would have been a bigger hit maybe. I, I think, I think it could have worked. It would have just been an entirely different movie. Kind of like the, the argument is near dark better or lost boys better. It's you, you still got a hit or miss thing. Like it'll be similar, but does it, will it still work mm -hmm. i think the regardless of whatever issues were going on i think the movie that we got was was perfect for the time mm -hmm. yeah I, I think at least the studio got what they were looking for out of it for sure um uh, quite a bit and it worked for me uh Ian, what do you think do you think it may have would have hit better if they would have gone the original joss way or was it good that it marinated for a while for Joss before he got the TV show going I mean honestly it's one of those things we'll never know because well, yeah. I don't know if the failure of the movie and I don't know how well it did because if you said it was a budget of what you said 7, 7 million, million yeah. made 16 or whatever yeah. that's a little more than double its budget but I'm not sure if the modern calculations have anything to do with that like how much was advertising right like if a movie if a movie makes twice its money now mm -hmm. a lot of times that's still not nearly good enough because yeah. of the costs they have to cover um and it certainly didn't i mean it might have become sort of a cult thing and a video mm -hmm. thing but it wasn't you know it didn't burn down the, the the multiplexes with you know lots of screenings but as far as like the near dark and lost boys i think is a, is a really good example because both of them are kind of cult movies mm -hmm. uh, near dark in particular, because that was one of the things that, that came out and yeah, people kind of knew about it, but everybody knew the lost boys. That was like a mega hit. Right. Uh, so they both have followings, but you know, one got kind of picked up by the loyal diehards who sought it out. And the other one has loyal diehards, but it's because they went to go see it you know, along with everybody else. Well, uh, and, and it's it got was... it's got sweaty sax guy. You can't that, yes. that that trumps any other film is sweaty sax guy. You know that's if he was in any movie, it make it better. You know, but it Trump. it also has the definitive '80s stripper soundtrack. That's true. It does. I love the soundtrack though. 
So <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful soundtrack. I honestly, I think if this movie had been more Lost Boys, mm-hmm. uh, more in that vein, I think it really would have worked. But in that case, you need a you need, like almost need Joel Schumacher to work with Joss Whedon and help him <laughs> yeah. get this thing like, into shape. It would definitely be an entirely different movie, way darker. Um, it wouldn't ne- wouldn't be as fun. There probably wouldn't be any of the the gags or the cutesy little romance stuff. It definitely play a lot more straight, more serious. Maybe. I mean, because if you look at Lost Boys, Lost Boys is a very, it's a dark movie, but it's also very kind of twistedly funny, which I think is why I'm saying I think it's more in line with uh, probably the TV series. It's more of a horror movie, but it's got that kind of wry sense of humor, like with the Frog Brothers and uh, that that wonderful, like, ultimate closing line. Um that's one thing I could never stand all about. The damn vampires. <laughs> all, all the, the damn vampires. vampires. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, this one just has uh, Buffy riding the motorcycle uh, with her man uh, Pike on back of the motorcycle uh, driving. He's riding bitch. Yeah, he's riding <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Which I think she is. She was. She almost seemed taller than him too. I mean, she seemed at least like more more buff than. She looks like she could kick his ass. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, she was a cheerleader, right? So she's she's an athlete. She's got to be able to do that. And Pike, yeah. like, yeah. he lifts a bongo's lips, and that's about it, probably. Yeah, and I've I've watched the movie too many times, so I could do her cheers, but I will not. You know, <laughs> how funky is your chicken? How funky is your chicken? How loose <laughs> is your goose? Our goose is totally loose. So come on, all you hog fans. So come on, all you hog fans, and shake your and caboose. And shake your caboose. Just shake your caboose. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling exactly the way I did at pep rallies in high school, which is, <laughs> I hate all of you and I want to leave. <laughs> oh, please don't leave. <laughs> Petty, Petty also has a comment here. He said it worked, but not as well as the movie The Lost Boys. It's one of those cases where the son beats the father. Um, yeah, in many cases, it, the Lost Boys definitely got a better following than Buffy. And mm-hmm. and again, I think it was, it was partly the type of movie that Buffy was. If you look at it, you can see the studio influences. I mean, we look at it now, t- hindsight of the in- interference, but it explains why you have pretty much every young up-and-coming star in this movie, they were looking at this as kind of uh, uh, striking the, you know, uh, iron as hotter or seeing how they were going to, you know, Luke Perry was just getting into 90210. Uh, a few of these other, you know, it was either their first time, but they had started on TV being getting popular. And, you know, Kristen Swanson w- was a good choice. Like, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, she did Deadly Friends. She was in yep. Flowers in the Attic. Mm-hmm. So she she was already known. Right. She was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off Mm -hmm. seven years earlier playing a high school student. (laughs) Well, you know, you stick with what you know if it's going to get your work, right? Um, She was still doing that in Dude, Where's My Car? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) She was. But, um, yeah, you're right. Christy Swanson was was known in, in... in that demo that they were probably going for with it. And uh, I, I liked her in this role. I thought she she did fine. Mm-hmm. And again, out of all the characters, her seems to be the one that may have held the closest to what Joss may have wanted. Not so much the vacuous part, but when you get into the more Slayer part, it 
it she very much felt similar to some of the beats that you see later on in Sarah Michelle Geller's uh, Buffy later on. So you can see they they kept some of those bits in here uh, for it, but it, it it's definitely a product of its time and. You know, I think it still holds up. I, I like the charm. If if you enjoyed it before, I think you enjoyed it now. Uh, I still enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, just don't go into it d- expecting the TV show or what you've gotten later on. Kara, uh, what's your final thought with Buffy? I I love it. I'd say even if, if you just like horror comedies, campy horror, give it a try. You may enjoy it. There really isn't too much out there that I can think of that's that's similar but it's it's a fun ride mm-hmm. Ian what about you I know uh you you've been you've been the critic uh that I I'm so happy that you are so we can have some counterbalance uh <laughs> but uh it, it's a weird place to be I mean I almost can't evaluate this movie on its own merits because I just see it as sort of the as I've mentioned before the sketch of something that right. I think actually works on its own merits mm-hmm. um it, it's not often that I have this weird, like a nostalgia moment. It takes me back to when I was in high school to a movie I didn't enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have I think that's go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, I was gonna say, I think that's a lot of the charm is it's it does have that nostalgia, so it, it kind of does it back like 90s fashion wasn't that great, but it's still fun to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is. And, and I mean, I was in high school. I was the target demo. I was in high school when this came out, 92. I was, you know, a, so, a junior in high school when this came out. So maybe that's part of the reason why it struck a chord with me as well. Uh, even though most of these folks were at least five years older than I was at the time. <laughs> but, you know, it had people I recognized. It, it had the tone that I was looking for, I guess, from it. Um, so, you know, take it as, as a separate entity though, that I can fully say is just, if you can separate the TV show from this one, I think there's a lot of fun to be had. And if nothing else, if you're looking for a gateway horror film, like say you want to slowly maybe ease people into, uh, you know, something with horror elements, preferably some younger folks maybe this would be a fine movie i mean petty is right and ian mentioned it as well uh just to get a flavor you you can bring it in and it's pretty innocent enough but it's got some of those horror bits in it uh for people to watch uh and if they like it then you can maybe ease them into something a little more like you know gremlins or beetlejuice (laughs) yeah beetlejuice (laughs) or gremlins you know maybe go a little bit darker with your horror comedy but um yeah i you know i like it It, it's it's some comfort food it may be nostalgia for me as well but um i enjoy both and yeah so there you have it folks uh petty's got one last comment he said excellent live really enjoyed it and uh yeah he's going to check out ian's show so uh speaking of that's a good segue for our license to shill this is where i give my crew members the floor so that they can plug whatever they'd like. And so Ian, go ahead. Since uh, Petty mentioned it, go ahead and uh, plug your stuff. sir. Well, I'm uh, Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com and also on YouTube. And um, yeah, as uh, alluded to here, well, not even allude to, like expressly spelled out. Uh, I do a live stream on uh, Wednesday nights, which uh, Mark is 
often good enough to to hang out and talk with uh, with me and the crew about uh, the latest Disney Marvel films, uh, TV shows rather. Um, and um, unfortunately, we're in the middle of Moon Knight. <laughs> So something that, something that E and I actually agree on so far that has been rather, rather meh. And so you know it's a it's it, you know it's something special, right? No. I I can't. Okay, the viewership for this live stream series has been steadily going down by like halves. <laughs> I can't tell if it's a lack of interest in Moon Knight, or if it's people just can't stand to see me melting down. They're averting their eyes. <laughs> Um, but I, I will. I, I made this promise last week, and you know, folks, tune in tomorrow and next week for the big finale. If uh, things don't turn around, I will be shirtless for the episode six discussion. So imagine that. Wow. Yeah, I was about to say you need to make it racy, and you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> she was. Current, current. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll go the Chi-Chi's direction. I'll go bottomless. But uh, <laughs> but how no, would we know I, unless you lower the camera? I would yet know, case. Mark. I'm offended. <laughs> backless chaps. Well, no, uh, backless chaps. There you go. Actually, uh, my anyway, <laughs> my parents had a had a friend who wore chaps one time before he was going to a specific club, and we won't talk about that. Anyway, no, I, uh, I just got this <laughs> idea for a, for like a British band called the Backless, backless Chaps. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh, but no, that's that's all my plug. So join me <laughs> at, and Mark. Hopefully, if you can make it tomorrow, eight thirty p.m. Central over on YouTube. And yeah, that's where yeah, we'll be. We'll, we'll sneak in the back door, probably. Uh, <laughs> you and the backless chaps. I, I know, know. backless chaps, back door. Kara, uh, please uh, stop us from just <laughs> babbling. Floor is yours, license to shill. And and that's that. I started thinking all Jim Morrison backdoor man. <laughs> Good song. Anyway, no. <laughs> uh, I don't really have anything new going on. I'm not too sure when I'm going to get back to video reviews, but I had a bunch of stuff that I put out, put out during Easter, tons of little experimental shorts, two new film reviews um, in my nun get up. So that would be available on YouTube forward slash horror retrospective. If anyone's interested. To which she makes a better nun than the nun in the movie The Nun. Um, yeah, because, yeah, ugh, that movie. <laughs> I'm already getting tired just thinking of that movie. So there you go. So, yes, check out Horror Retrospective. Check out Kicking the Seat. I will just plug Sada City Fright Fest. You're a film fa filmmaker. You have one month yet. We have till June 1st to where you can submit your horror film, short or feature film, to the Sawdust City Fright Fest. Check it out on Film Freeway. There's a link there. Search for Sawdust City Fright Fest. It'll come up. Uh, real inexpensive tiers. And, uh, yeah, you'll get picked, and it'll show during the second weekend in October. So hope you enjoyed this conversation of Slaying It, our last episode of the month that is Slaying It. Next month, uh, yeah, I guess I'll announce it now. We have... <laughs> We have the night of the night ofs, is what it is next month to where. Uh... Night of Olympus. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it almost made the list, but we're we're we we've got some other night ofs, so I'm gonna save that one for another time. But uh, Night of the Olympus is is all its own. That that movie, wow, that you know, forced perspective. Janet Lee. Janet Lee. <laughs> Janet Lee and forced perspective rabbits. So 
Uh, but that won't be next month. That will be a different time. But uh, stay tuned. We will be doing Night of the Demons for our, our Horror of 1988 month uh, episode for next month. But the other Night of the Night Ofs, you'll have to just stay tuned and find out what they are. So thank you so much, everyone. And I would just say uh, good night, everyone. Good night. Party. Party with the animals. Party. Go, 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 go. <laughs> party. Party with the animals. Party. I've watched the movie a lot, okay? I've... Just a part of me I'm never gonna let it go